I love this season. Uh, it, it literally is one of those seasons that I look forward to every single year. It's just the, all that comes with the Christmas holiday and the Christmas season. Um, I know that it's busy. I know it's expensive, but it's also a ton of fun. Uh, like seeing the Christmas lights go up and the decorations and, and thinking about presents and all the stuff that comes with the Christmas season. Like, I absolutely love it. And this year it was just like extra special. Um, I don't know how it was in your house, but in my house, like, we put up Christmas decorations the day after Thanksgiving. That's our tradition. And so we did that yesterday, or not yesterday, the day after, the day before yesterday, Friday. And then yesterday, like just sat around the house as the snow was falling with like a fireplace lit and then got to go to my mom and dad's and have some more food last night. And uh, man, my kids were amped up all day. Like, like you had like injected some drug into their like cereal in the morning or something. Like there's just like this sense of like excitement and joy. And, and man, I love that. Like, I feel like that's all over the place during Christmas. Um, and man, when you get eight inches of snow, like Thanksgiving week, it like even gets more amped up. And there's this just awe inspiring feeling to everything that comes with Christmas. Uh, I don't know. I feel like Everything's a little softer, except for some of the people sometimes when you're out shopping. But I also recognize that for some, Christmas isn't a great season. Some, it's a hard season. And some of you that are watching online, some of you that are in this room, like this is the first year you've had without a loved one. This is the first year uh, that, that you've had without somebody that was an integral part of your home or in, in your life. And so this is a hard season. It's a challenging season. And maybe it brings up some bad memories or some challenges. Like we recognize that. As we enter into Christmas, though, as we enter into the season of Christmas, whether it's a season you love or one that has some pain with it, like it, it gives us an opportunity every single year to look upon the gift of Jesus and to really consider are we seeing and are we, are we gazing upon Jesus the way that the scriptures call us to, the way that God wants us to look upon Jesus? Are we seeing him through the eyes of our culture? Are we seeing him through the eyes of other things that are going on in the world? Or are we seeing him through the eyes of God's word? Like, are we seeing him through the eyes of God's word? Which is why we've titled our Christmas series, My Eyes Have Seen, because we want to make sure that when we look upon the things that are going on at Christmas, that we're seeing Jesus for who he really is. And so we're going to start this morning by looking at one very particular uh, individual named Simeon. So I'm going to invite Beth up. Beth is going to read for us out of Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 38 this morning. Um, I would invite you, if you're able, please stand with us out of respect for God's word as we read this morning uh, this, this section of the Christmas story. Beth, I'll pass it off to you. Luke 2, 23, 22 through 38. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of tur turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus 
to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelations to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. And she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Church, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Beth. Go ahead and have a seat and join me in prayer. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for um, uh, the, the thank you that you got each of these here this morning safely to this place. Uh, Father, in this opportunity we have to look at what you've given to us in your word, what you've given to Luke to um, share with us as your people to pass down through the generations uh, about the expectation of your Holy One, your Christ, your Messiah, your King, the, your, your Son, the one that would come to save us, the one that would come to rescue us. Father, I just pray this morning that, that you would speak through me. I, I know that it, it's, it's a hard task to be able to try to convey with the words of men the glories of what you have given to us. Uh, it's hard to convey with words um, the beauty of what you've, you've shown us in your scripture. And so, um, Lord, we need your help to, to have eyes to be able to see what is there, to be able to see truly the glory of your son, Jesus. And so help us this morning. But, Father, I also pray that uh, as we see Jesus, that you would help us to be called to a, a more devout life. Uh, devout life like, like Simeon. And, and so pray that for your people. And Lord, pray for those that are here that may not know you, those that are listening online that are in their homes right now that may not know you. May you open their eyes to see Jesus for the first time. Pray and ask these things in your name. Amen. Simeon is a fascinating character to me because he is just one of those people that's like a blip on the thousands of pages of scripture. Like we don't know much about Simeon. He, he's not talked about anywhere else. Like he's not spoken of anywhere else except for in this little section of, uh, of Luke. And we don't know what his life was like. And we don't know how much longer he lived. We don't know if like God took him home like as he was walking out of the temple that day because he had seen Jesus or if he lived for another 15 years. Like we have no idea, but I do love the description that we're given of Simeon in Luke chapter two, verse 25, where it says, now there was this man in Jerusalem. So we know he's in Jerusalem and we know his name was Simeon. And I love this. This man was righteous and devout. And we're gonna get to talk about that as we go further on, but he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And this Holy Spirit was upon him. There's a lot that sticks out to me about this, but I think what sticks out most to me is this little phrase here that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. 
waiting for the consolation of Israel. And maybe it's because there's so much waiting that happens at Christmas time. I mean, my kids are already waiting for Christmas presents to show up underneath the tree. Like we're waiting for plans to be made about where we're gonna go on Christmas Eve. Like there's all this anticipation that's built up. Well, used to be after Thanksgiving, now it's like after Halloween or the 4th of July for some of y'all, right? Like there's this anticipation of like, man, we can't wait until Christmas morning and, and, and so there's this kind of built-in understanding of like what wedding, waiting is. And, and I mean, we get so excited about, but Simeon is waiting too. And he's waiting for something. And he has been waiting for something for a really long time. But he was waiting for something very specific. And it was the consolation of Israel. It's not a word we use a lot. But consolation, just think about what consolation means. It's, it's to comfort. It's to bring encouragement. It's to console. I think of my kids when they were young, when they would get upset and they needed to be consoled and you'd try to calm them down. Like this idea of consolation, like he, he knew that there was a need for comfort and encouragement and consolation for the people of Israel. And he was waiting for this. He was waiting for it because he, he recognized they didn't have this consolation. They were a people in turmoil. They were a people who were, were struggling. They were a people who saw all kinds of grief and pain and, and dis, disquietedness and disorder. They were walking in all kinds of discouragement because the world around them, just like our world now, is giving them every reason not to be comforted. Not to be comforted. And I know that even in those moments when we look around us and we see that there's hardship and difficulty, that when we have good moments, there's laughter, there's, there's joy, there's friendships, there's fellowships, there's pleasure, there's, there's babies being born and people going and being married and celebrating those things. But in the midst of all that, it's easy to believe and see that the people of Israel had a weight upon their shoulders. There was economic distress, there was oppression at the hands of the Romans, there was injustice, there was poverty, there was sickness, there was death, there was difficulty. I mean, even think about Simeon, and we don't know how old he was, but we assume he was relatively aged because he's talking about dying. Uh, he's looking forward to that, it seems, to some extent. And I imagine, I wonder how many people had Simeon lost through his life? How many loved ones had he had lost to age or to sickness or pestilence or, or famine or, or to war? Like how many people had he lost? And this is important for us because it's easy to see Simeon and people of Israel just as people and characters in the word of God, as this are somehow different than we are, that their experiences are different than our experiences. But what I've found in my life is that so often like the fears and the pains and the challenges, like... We all feel that stuff. We experience it. It doesn't really matter where you live geographically, and it doesn't really matter what numbers are in front of the years that you were born. Like anxieties and that stuff has been a part of human existence since the beginning of time. We see it right now. We see it in things like the war in Israel, the war in Ukraine, how, how that brings us to feel like, man, we're just a little bit out of control it starts to kind of rattle us a little. And the illusions that we have of the safety and security in our lives start to get shaken some. And we look around the world and we see the sufferings of people in other parts of the world, whether it's through famines or uh, through natural disasters or through human trafficking or what other, uh, other horrible things that we see all around the world. And we see that stuff happen and it gets thrown in our face and we recognize it. We also know it right down in our lives. 
You know it if you're the high school kid that becomes the butt of the jokes of everybody around you. You know it if you are entering into this Christmas season with the loss of a loved one. You know it if you don't know what your job's going to look like next year, or maybe you had plans for 2024, and all those plans have changed. Like, like you and I, we've experienced what it is to know trouble, to know what it is to have that, to experience it when we get a phone call and one of our kids gets sick. We know oftentimes what trouble is. And when we know what trouble is, we know what to look for for comfort, don't we? We know what we look for to, to be consoled. So I, I remember when I had my, my kids for the first time and they were babies and, and, and I was a new parent and I didn't understand what that all looked like and they start screaming and crying and, and you're trying to figure out what in the world is wrong with them because you know that, that if you change the diaper when they're hungry, they're not gonna stop screaming, right? If they're screaming to tell you that they're hungry and you change their diaper, they're not gonna stop screaming. Like you've gotta figure out what the trouble is so that you can comfort them with the right thing. And there's nights, if you're a parent, where you're just trying everything in the world to figure out what's wrong, and they're still screaming, and they're still crying, because you haven't found the right thing to console them. You have to know what the trouble is to understand the comfort that you need. Know what the sickness is, to know what the medication is, and why that's helpful. And here's the thing about Simeon. In the midst of the world, I genuinely do not believe looked all that different than the one that we live in today. He knew what he was waiting for. Simeon knew what the comfort was that he needed. He knew the trouble, so he recognized the consolation. He knew the trouble was there. And ultimately, I think it's the same trouble that we experience in so many ways in our life. And I think we have to start the Christmas season with that. And the first piece that I think that we need to be reminded of is that the biggest piece of trouble that affects all of us, whether it's first century Israel or you and I right now, is that we as people are not right before God. Being right with God is what Christmas is all about. And not being right with him is the biggest problem that we face. Now, we might be familiar with this idea as believers. And you might not. But the trouble is that that we, we need to understand what this looks like. And we need to understand this for every single day of our lives so we never lose sight of the reality of what he has come to rescue us from. And so what does it mean for us to not be right with God? Well, let me give us a, a little bit of an example. We all live in the United States. Um, I don't know if everybody in this room grew up in the United States or if you're from another country and you've moved here, but right now we all live in the United States. And as of the people that live in the United States, we understand that there's certain laws that the government has put in place within the United States that, that kind of uh, help us understand what's right and wrong as Americans and how we live. Now, we don't know all those laws, so some of us sometimes break those laws without even knowing that. Some of you broke those laws this morning. Well, probably not this morning. I say when you were speeding here to get to church on time. Um, but, but we know the laws that are present, Right? And so what happens is, is when the laws are there and they are, are, are present, whether you agree with them or you don't agree with them, whether you like them or you don't like them, if you break the law, you're not right with the government. You're not right with the city of Wichita. You're not right with the police force, right? So let me give you an example. If I were to walk out of this room today and I were to say, you know what? 
I'm not going to be able to give my kids the kind of Christmas that I really want to give them. And so, and so here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to start driving around town, and I'm going to start taking packages off people's doorsteps. And I'm just going to open those up, and I'm going to let that become our Christmas. I'm just going to do that. And if I get caught by one of y'all's little ring doorbells, and they put a warrant out for my arrest, and they arrest me, and I, I guess where I'm going to go? I'm going to go to jail. It doesn't matter whether I think that's okay or not. It doesn't matter if I tell the police and I say, listen, you, you just, you don't understand my circumstance. Like, I didn't get a raise this year. And, and so I don't, I can't afford the Christmas that I want to give my kids. Like, it doesn't matter if I tell the police, like, listen, it's not hurting those families. Amazon's just going to send them a new package. It's fine. Amazon's a big, bad company anyway. Like, none of that makes any difference. It doesn't matter whether I stole two packages or 50 packages. I'm not right with the law. I'm not right with the, the, the standards that have been set as a part of, a, of as a being an American, someone who lives in the United States of America. And so something has to take place to make me right with the country again. That might mean I go to jail. It might mean that I have to pay a fine. I have to be made right again. Now, here's the thing. We live in God's creation. We may not give that a lot of thought. We may not care about that very much. Um, but, but he's made the world we live in, and he's established laws in this world. Good laws. Standard of what is right and what is wrong. You may not like it. You may not care about it. You may not appreciate it. You may think it's not fair. None of that makes a difference. Because if you break his law, you're not right with him. You're not. Even if you can have all kinds of excuses of why it's okay that you didn't follow his law, like it doesn't make any difference. And some, atheists in particular, they have a real problem because they don't want to acknowledge that God is the one that sets the standard of right and wrong. But if there's no God who sets the standard for right and wrong, then we can do anything. Because you have no reason to tell me that killing you and taking your stuff isn't okay. There is a standard, and he's made it. And when we step away from that standard, we're not right with him. We're not right with him, period. And Simeon knew this. He understood this. He understood that they weren't right with God. He understood it because he knew the scriptures. He knew the Old Testament. And here's just a couple of verses that Simeon would have known but verbatim. Psalms 14, verse 3. They have all turned aside together, They've become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Now, that's a pretty chipper view of humanity, right? Like we're all corrupt. Like, like there's none who does good, not even one person, not even one person in this room who does good. Not one person in all the world that does good. It goes on. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? We don't even know our own motivations. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 20. Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Simeon understood that we are not right with God because we've all sinned. We've all stepped away from that standard. He knew that this was the issue between Israel and their God. 
Now you might say, well, what about Simeon? Doesn't the scripture that we just read say, say that Simeon was righteous and he was devout? Well, yes, he was righteous, but not because he kept the law. He was righteous because he lived in faith, believing and trusting God's promises to do what we read about in Psalm 60 or Isaiah 61, which is to cover his sins and make them white as snow. And he lived in accordance with that. Not because he, he didn't break the law, but because he trusted in God, because he trusted in that to be taken care of at some point. He knew, he knew they needed the comfort of dealing with their sins. It's the sin that keeps us from being right with God. And listen, it's everywhere, isn't it? It's in our homes, it's in our families. It's in our relationships and it's in our world. It's all over the place. And we need comfort because of all of the brokenness that's there. And it's not the way God intended it to be. It's not supposed to be this way. Because we're not right with him, it also means that we are separated from him. Look at this verse in Isaiah 59. But your iniquities, that's another word for sin, your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Now, you may not feel like this is that big of a deal, but here's the thing. We can never experience true life apart from God, apart from him, because that's what we were made for. I mean, think about the phone that you have in your pocket. I know most of you have one in your pocket. I just think about how that works. Like your phone is meant to be charged at some point. Like every single one of us plugs it into a wall or puts it on one of those little plates that charges the phone. We all do that at night because we know that it's meant to be charged. If you take the phone away from that charge, it's useless. It's broken. It's going to last for a little while, but then it's going to stop working because it's not meant to not have a charge. This is all over the place in our world. You know, think about kids and their parents. Kids are meant to be with a mom and a dad. You take a kid, you rip a child out of a home, like you take a child, even if they're brand new born babies, and you take them away from their mother and their father, and you give them to another mother and father, damage is done. Trauma is created. There's difficulty that comes in that kid's life because it's not supposed to be like that. And you say, well, they don't even remember, and it doesn't matter because it's not the way it's supposed to be. And so difficulty comes into the life. And you may say, well, 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 can't we avoid that? Can't we still have joy? We absolutely can still have joy in this world. But if you're deaf, you can still live in this world, but you're still going to lack something. There's still going to be fun. There's still going to be happiness. There's still going to be good moments, but it's still not the way it's supposed to be. And us not being with the Father is not what it's supposed to be. Psalm 16 tells us there is fullness of joy in the presence of God, meaning this, you cannot find the fullness of joy anywhere else. It's either in the presence of God or it's nowhere else. Scripture tells us that he's a well that we can constantly go to to find satisfaction that we, can find, that we can always go to him, but if we aren't going to the well, we're going to be wandering around aimlessly. Now, here's the thing. You may not realize what you're missing. If you're an orphan, you may not realize what you're missing in a mom and dad. If you were born deaf, you may not realize all the things that you were missing. 
but you're missing something. You're missing something. Life isn't the way it's supposed to be. I love the way Jeremiah puts this in chapter 5, verse 25. It says, your iniquities have turned these away, and your sins have kept good from you. These is the good things of God, like rain and the harvest and blessing and care and provision and protection. These things are going to be kept away from us. Billions of people have not experienced the fullness of presence of God because of their sin and the separation that presents them from experiencing God's goodness in their lives. It's like lights on a Christmas tree that aren't plugged in. It's not what it's meant to be. Oftentimes, consequences of our sin and separation simply cause hardship and hurt and difficulty. Our separation from God also separates us not just from his care and protection, but it also means that we're oftentimes in the presence of someone else, that we're enslaved to something else. We're enslaved to sin. We're enslaved to the idea of death and what death is going to bring. We're enslaved to the enemy and to Satan. Since we're separated from him, we belong to our passions. We belong to our sins. We belong to the world. We belong to the enemy. And we need to be rescued. But apart from that, not only... Are we separated from him? But we also have no path apart from him. Ezekiel says this. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over all the mountains on an every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or to seek for them. We just wander around aimlessly. Everyone doing what is right in their own eyes. We might see the need for comfort. We might see the need for consolation because we recognize the brokenness. We recognize it in every part of our world. Our marriages, our relationships, our governments, our, our capitalism, our entertainment, our society, and all of the different things that we see. But, but we don't know how to find comfort. And so we scrape and we scramble trying to make up our own rules, trying to fix things, trying to make things right, trying to find a utopia of some sort there is none to be found. We don't have a path to it. And Simeon knew that. Simeon knew that unless something from the outside changes the brokenness, we can't even, the brokenness in us, we, we can't hope to change and stop the mess that happens in our lives, let alone the stop mess that's out in the world. In the midst of all this discomfort, what happens so often is people just try to take attention off the problem. I remember when we first met Jade, uh, and they, this is our adopted daughter that we adopted from China, if you don't know. Like, and when we first met her, they, we were in this hotel room, and they bring her to us, and she was in complete panic, like screaming bloody murder, like, like writhing and, and trying to get away. She was terrified. She was, she, was, she was hurting. She was just struggling. She couldn't understand things, and they kept trying to give her a lollipop. Like, as if that's going to fix the problem. And, and oh, so many people around the world, like, they feel this lack of comfort in their lives. They feel all the things that they need consolation from, and they just try to distract themselves uh, with, with suckers when they have a broken leg instead of dealing with that. And Simeon recognized that. He knew what the problem was. He knew what the real consolation was. And he wasn't content with some distraction. He wanted a remedy. And he knew the remedy. And it was Isaiah 33 speaks of the remedy. He says, oh Lord, be gracious to us. We wait for you. 
be our arm every morning, our salvation in the time of trouble. Simeon knew to look forward to a day like this, a day of salvation, a day of rescue, a rescue from our own sin, a rescue from our separation, a rescue from from not being right with God, a rescue from our own path. Like he knew that God could do this and he knew the promise that had been given to them in Isaiah 25. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us that he might rescue us. This is the Lord. This is Yahweh. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Simeon saw that day. He knew they needed comfort. He knew they needed consolation. And he had waited and he had waited and he had waited. And when he put his eyes upon Jesus, he knew that this day had come. Behold, this little baby is our God. We've waited for him. That he might rescue us. He might rescue us from the problems. That he might rescue us from the trouble. That he might rescue us from all the brokenness. That he might rescue us from all the things that cause us discomfort in our lives. And as a result of that recognition, Simeon says, as we read already, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen your rescue, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The comfort that Simeon had been waiting for was in this baby. It was in Jesus. He was seeing and he was experiencing consolation because his eyes had seen his rescuer, the one who would take a man or a woman who is not right with God and rescue them from the debt they owed and make them right with God. The rescuer who would recognize the separation and would reconcile and redeem those men and women and bring them back into the presence of God through his work. The rescuer who says, I'm going to rescue you from your path. I'm going to rescue you from you scrambling around trying to fix the problems. And I'm going to lead you and put you upon the path to life. And I'm going to help walk you down that and begin to find life. Like Simeon recognized, the rescuer had come. Salvation had come. He had seen salvation. Salvation from death, salvation from darkness, salvation from oppression, sin, salvation, salvation, salvation. Jesus is salvation. Simeon may not have known how. He may not have known how it was going to happen, how this baby would pay our debt. He may not have understood how he would redeem us, that he would redeem us with his blood, but he understood that the salvation had come. He understood that the hope was present. The Spirit of God told him that salvation was there. So I want to do something a little unique. I want to close our time this morning. I want to just read some scriptures out of Isaiah and out of Ezekiel. 
Because my hope is for us as we enter into this season is that as believers in Christ, that we can walk away going like, man, I see my rescuer. I see what he's done. I see what he has come to do and all that he's accomplished for me as his child and how he's redeemed me and how he's made me right and how he's led me to the path of life and how he's, he's promised to lead me to the new heaven and new earth. And I want us to sit in that so that our zeal during this season cannot be about good food and about lights and about snow, but our zeal can be about our rescuer. And we can say, man, we've seen our rescuer. Yeah, the rest of that stuff is great, but it's nothing compared to our salvation. It's nothing compared to the one who came for us. And I want us to see that. I want us to hear it. I want us to feel it and live in that and walk in it and to proclaim it to the people that we engage and encounter as we go out into the city. If you're a non-believer and you don't know Jesus, I want you to see the hope that we have. And so I want to encourage you here just in the next couple of moments, I want you to just, again, close your eyes I want you to bow your head. I want to encourage you if you're online to do the same. And here's why. Like, there's nothing magical about closing your eyes, but sometimes we just need to eliminate the distractions. And I want you to hear the words. They're not even going to be up on the screen. So don't, don't worry about reading them. I, I just want you to hear the hope that Simeon knew was coming. I want you to hear of the rescuer and the salvation that we have But he was pierced for our transgressions. Jesus would be pierced, not for his sins, not for his transgressions, but for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, not his iniquities, but our iniquities. Upon Jesus was the chastisement that brought you and me peace. And with his wounds, we would be healed. Because every single one of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. And the Lord has said, I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines. And he's talking about the people that he would rescue. And in all the inhabited places of the country, I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land. And on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep." And I myself will make them lie down. I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. And I will bind up the injured. And I will strengthen the weak. And the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. Not only will he do this, but he will give us a new heart. He will give us a new spirit he will put within us. And he says, I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. We have a rescuer, church. 
a rescuer who, who, who will take our iniquities upon his shoulders, a rescuer who will lead us into quiet places, a rescuer who will bind us up, a rescuer who seeks to save us, a rescuer who seeks to, to find the lost, a rescuer who seeks to strengthen you when you're weak, a rescuer who will deal with the justice of those who have wronged you, a rescuer who will take your heart as deceptive and broken and hard as it can be sometimes and promises to give you a new one and restore and reconcile. Do we see our salvation like Simeon did? Do we see our consolation? Are you consoled by what he has come to do? Are you comforted by what he has come to do? I hope so. Simeon was old. He'd waited a long time. And in the time of his waiting, he had lived righteous and devout. Meaning that throughout his life, in faith, he continued to walk in the ways of the Lord. He continued to be devoted to the commands and to the calls of God. You know, we still wait. We've received our consolation. We no longer wait for our comfort because he's come. Like, that's what Christmas is all about. Like, that's been given to us, but we still wait for it to be completed. God sent his shepherd. He's made us right through the blood of our comfort made us right through the blood of our rescuer. He's drawn us back into his presence. He's delivered us from bondage. He's set us on a path. Jesus is our path. He is the way. He is the truth, and he is the life. But we still wait for the consummation. We still wait for the completion of what has begun so many years ago. But the question for those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ is while we wait, will we wait devoutly? Will we be faithful Will we continue to press forward? Will we be zealous for our king and for our, our rescuer? And I just, just ask that question this morning as we close our time. As we look to Christmas and as we look to the hope we have in Jesus, like will you be one who is righteous and devout while you wait for his return because of all that he has done? And if you're listening this morning, whether you're in this room or you're online and you don't know Christ, like, I pray that you have seen your rescuer. I pray that, that these texts have revealed to you not just the problem and the challenge, but that they've revealed to you the hope that we have in Jesus. And then if you don't know him and you, don't, you haven't found him, that you will come to him in faith. And we'd love you to reach out to us. We'd love you to, to text our response line. Uh, we'd love you to, to come and talk with one of the pastors and elders because we'd love to introduce you to Christ and help you to walk on his way. We're gonna close our time with song. I wanna encourage you to stand with me. I'm gonna pray for us, and then we're gonna worship him, our rescuer, our salvation, the one who, who has delivered us and reconciled us and redeemed us. We're gonna worship him this morning. Father, we thank you for this reminder for us. I thank you that you have come I'm so thankful that Simeon saw what he'd waited for for all those years and that he was comforted. Father, I pray that we'd be comforted this morning. That we would be reminded every single day that apart from Christ, we can't be right with you. 
that apart from the work that he has done, we cannot be in your presence. We cannot experience your care, your provision. We cannot trust you to guide and to lead us, not because of any faithlessness in you, but because of our faithlessness, because of our sin. But Jesus reconciled us back. He adopted us into your family. Now we're sons and daughters. We can be called sons and daughters. Father, you gave us your son so that we could be restored to the path to life, a path that none of us can find on our own, but a path that he promises to lead us to, to guide us down into a perfect, beautiful creation where one day all of our tears are wiped away. Sin and death are finally defeated. And he puts all of his enemies underneath his feet. And we will live in your presence in a way we cannot even imagine. Lord, we thank you for our rescuer. Thank you for our salvation. May our eyes this Christmas season be fixed upon him. May we not get distracted with the glitter of things. May we not get distracted with the promise of possessions. May we not get distracted with even the joy of our families, but Lord, would we keep our eyes fixed upon our salvation, our hope, our rescuer, our comfort, our consolation. Father, please help us to keep our eyes fixed on him. Pray and ask these things in your name.